I just need to interject here. Uh, Hannah is a uh, new Calgarian, so uh, I need you to uh, revise the way that you said the, the your new city. Oh, oh. No. here we go. This, this is a, this is a it's an education. It's a, it's a okay it's, okay. It's, I'm learning too. I'm learning too. I got my I got my glasses on. I got my glasses on and my notebook out. I'm eager. I want to learn this too. We witnessed the arrival of Dane Evans. Pretty darn good week once again for Hamilton's quarterback. And he's put together a nice little run on the CFL's number one team. That's how we're kicking things off on the week 17 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to it. CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas. Go to cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Get your lineups in for week 17. You know what you're playing for if you've been listening to this podcast or if you've been playing CFL Fantasy, but you're winning a trip to the Grey Cup in Calgary, you're winning tickets to the game, and you're winning a unique championship ring to top it all off. This week on the podcast, yeah, we're talking about Dane Evans and his nice little run with Stan Peters look to avoid their usual struggles in Montreal. Running back heavyweights going head-to-head as the Riders and Bombers clash for the third time in the rubber match. And what do we make of a pretty talented group of Montreal Alouettes receivers? All of this is coming up. Let's welcome in Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever. My name is Pat Steinberg and Jeff. Dane Evans, another really impressive game and a lot of people starting to wonder if this guy is more than just a good backup, but he might be the real deal. I know I am. I know I am. And this is the part of the podcast where I get the floor and I get to say, here's what's on my mind right now, because I can tell you that Dane Evans is on my mind and the Hamilton Tiger Cats are on my mind. They're finally at the top of the CFL.ca power rankings. They have the best record in the league. Many of us, myself included, I said this myself, I will put this on my shoulders, I said the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they wouldn't be the same without Jeremiah Mazzoli. Wrong! They have been just as good with Dane Evans at quarterback, especially the last four weeks. He has been terrific, whether you're playing fantasy, whether you're a Ticats fan. Dane Evans went into Winnipeg, arguably the toughest place to play, IG Field, Many will say the loudest stadium in the CFL, and he carved up one of the best defenses in the CFL. 300 passing yards in the first half alone. Forget backup. Dane Evans, he could be a starter on half the teams in the CFL right now because he's doing it on the best team in the CFL. The real deal, I think we're talking about a star in the making. Is this becoming and, and and still at a very manageable price range is this becoming the pick at quarterback in fantasy right now in a week where i'm having a lot of trouble picking a quarterback which is kind of where you have to start when you're putting a roster together i have dane evans slotted in because he's not even seventy five hundred dollars and he's putting up numbers he pulled out a convincing win in a place where the bombers hadn't lost all year hamilton's not just atop the standings like they've they've got a big gap there they look good. He looks good. I I have no problem with playing him against any team right now. 
Take a look at what he's done the last four weeks. 359 yards, three touchdowns. 336 yards, three touchdowns. 360 yards, one touchdown. And then 442 on Labor Day weekend and two touchdowns against the Argos. But what really sticks out to me is what he's done the last three weeks against a very good Stampeders defense that has rounded into elite form. 360 passing yards. The next week against the number one passing defense in the CFL in Ed Edmonton, 336 yards and three passing touchdowns. And we talked about it last week on the on the podcast. Winnipeg's passing, you know, pass defense is is not as vaunted as they are stopping the run, but still to roll up 359 yards and three majors on the bombers is quite the accomplishment. I'm with you. Like uh, Hannah says comfortable starting him against any defense, against any team in any matchup. I'm with you. Like this guy looks like he is in must-start category and to have him under $7,500 with the rest of the viable quarterback options all in the 9000 or larger range, I don't know how you can't be looking at Dane Evans every single week. This was a discussion that happened in the office today. What happens next year? And you know what? Yeah, this is a fun ride right now. We're enjoying it while it lasts, but you're talking about Dane Evans, 25 years old, turns 26 in November. He's been every bit as good the last month as Jeremiah Mazzoli was. Jeremiah Mazzoli, 31 years old. Uh, I believe he's a free agent. He's, he's reported to be a free agent next year. I, th- this could seriously come down to uh, an uncomfortable decision that the Ticats have to make. That's how good Dane Evans has been. My question for you guys, the numbers over the last month, 79% completion percentage for Dane Evans, 374 yards per game, 10.5 yards per attempt. Nine touchdowns, and he's even cut down the interceptions a little bit, just five uh, over his last four games, which is a step forward for him. Is this just a hot streak, or is this something that he can sustain? Is this the real Dane Evans that we're seeing right now that's going to continue to put up these massive numbers? He looks like the real deal. He looks like he's not going anywhere, but... Before I can start saying that last year's East Division MOP is expendable in Hamilton, I want to see what Dane Evans does when the pressure's really on, when the postseason hits, when he's got to take on uh, Montreal or an Edmonton or whoever he might have to face in an East Division final. And if he gets past that, what happens in a Grey Cup showdown against the Stampeders or the Riders? Like, that's what I want to see. You take a look at Hamilton's remaining schedule. They've got Edmonton this week, a bye, then Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto. That that game in Montreal will be differ, difficult, but, I mean, Ottawa, Toronto, those are very winnable games for Hamilton. So, to me, he can continue this hot streak until the end of the regular season. I'm not ready to make a determination on Mazzoli and, and that future until I see Evans play in a postseason game or two. That's going to be really important for me. To me, those quote-unquote easier winnable games are kind of terrifying because he'll be able to fine-tune his game heading into the playoffs. He didn't come in in a very easy position. They don't have an established ground game. He knew he had to come in and play properly, throw the ball. He doesn't have a backup like Strebler has in Harris there. So I think what he's done is impressive. The numbers are stacking up. He's beat some good teams already, although many of them with backup quarterbacks. I don't know. Everything I see says legit, and I think he's going to make some noise in the playoffs. 
What I like about Dane Evans, and we'll move this along, but what I like is the attempts. It's a high volume of passing attempts every single game. Uh, we're not talking about training wheels on the quarterback. We're not talking about 15, 16 attempts per game, um, babysitting them. There's none of that going on. They're saying, here, Dane Evans, here's the football. Go out and win it for us. And to me, uh, that's, that's a really big aspect when you're talking about fantasy. So sounds like the three of us are all on the same page with Dane Evans. Uh, tough matchup this week with the Edmonton Eskimos who lead the CFL in sacks. Dane Evans had them figured out the last time they played. Uh, but hey, facing an opponent never easier the second time around. With that, before we move forward to week 17, let's take a quick look back on week 16. Yeah, and we had a runaway winner on the fantasy leaderboard last week. How about Cody Fajardo, who found the end zone four times, rushed for 80 yards. He finished with 37 points last week. If you had Fajardo, you were pretty happy. It was a big win over Winnipeg for the Tiger Cats. Lots of big scores coming in that game. Brandon Banks, 27.5 points. Dane Evans, 26. Those round out the top three. Braylon Addison hit 20. Marcus Tucker offered value on a a really nice buy for him. Bombers receiver Kenny Lawler, breakout performance, 10 passes over 100 yards. He had 24 points. And if you opted for value at quarterback, Matt Schiltz and Logan Kilgore both offered nice return. They had 21 points each. Andrew Harris led the way at running back with 19.1 points. Chris Rainey at 19, John White at 18, and William Stanback at that 18 number trailed close behind. Some pretty big letdowns this week. Rodney Smith, uh, Rodney Smith rather, Nate Bahar, Jake Wineke all put up zeros. Chris Matthews and Quan Bray barely got over a point. Brad Sinopoli, Jalen Acklin, Malik Irons, and Natea Jay also failed to hit the five-point mark in Week 16. Western Willie remains our global leader with over 1,700 points this season, though he did come back down to earth a little bit with an 84-point week in Week 16. And our global leader of Week 16 is... Kokoski, 88, put up 131 points, led by Cody Fajardo. Kenny Lawler, the super sleeper. Why couldn't he do that when I had him three or four times earlier this year? <laughs> Kyron Moore, also on his roster. Another player that's frustrated me to no end this season, but a big week for him. Pat had him in the lineup. Uh, finally, don't forget, you can compete against me. Pat Steinberg, and Hannah Norman in the podcast league. Uh, it's a public league of over 600 members, and you can compete against us every single week and see how, uh, how we all stack up. Hannah is our leader going into the previous week, uh, but mm -hmm. she had a tough go of it. Quan Bray, uh, Chris Matthews, a couple of tough Alouettes choices to round out her week, uh, and uh, William Powell as well. Those three players combining for 8.1 points. Oh, good, uh, Jeff. Pat, meanwhile... It seems I'm like sorry. a little I, bit too much detail there. It seems like someone's trying to rub something in. That's oh, a that's a really tough that's a really tough go at it. And you know what? Hey, we've all had those kind of weeks. I don't know if Pat has, but I've been in the fifties a couple of times this year. And Hannah ended up with fifty six. So um when you have three players combining for eight points, that's that's gonna hurt. Uh Pat Especially takes when one over of them is expensive. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. And a lot of people had William Powell. Uh, he was a lock on the podcast going into the week. A lot of people had William Powell in the lineups. He was one of the most popular choices uh, on fantasy rosters nationwide. In fact, uh, I believe our weekly leader even had William Powell on the, on the lineup and still managed to put up wow. uh, 131 points somehow. Um, 
Pat moves into the number, the number one spot among the three of us thanks to big performances from Dane Evans, John White, uh, and Kyron Moore, a 98-point week uh, for Pat. And I was perfectly average, right in the middle of Pat and Hannah with 76 <laughs> points. Uh, and uh, there's still a sizable gap between myself and, and our leader, Pat Steinberg. But I'm just barely hanging in there, kind of like the BC Lions right now, you know? They, the Lions need to run the table. They need the Eskimos to lose four games. But you know what? They're hanging on. They're further along than I think. Uh, I think a lot of people would have guessed. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, hey, what the heck? I'm gonna go for it. Let's throw it over to Hannah with the fantasy flash. What's going on this week? All right. The Eskimos have returned to practice at McMaster as they get ready to face the Ticats. Tavon Smith has been absent early in the week, so keep an eye on his status for this weekend. After a much-needed bye week, the Stamps are back to work without running back Kadeem Carey and receiver Markeith Ambles, who have suffered season-ending injuries. Don Jackson is expected to return to the lineup at running back. Darvin Adams was away from the Bombers due to personal reasons earlier this week. Drew Wolitarski was also absent, no word yet on their availability for Saturday's contest. After weeks of speculation, Jordan Williams-Lambert is finally expected to make his 2019 debut for the Riders. According to the Regina Leader Post, he'll draw into the lineup in place of Emmanuel Arsenault. Finally, as the Argos get ready for BC, Corey Chamberlain has been non-committal on a starting quarterback. James Franklin started last week, while Zach Caleros has reportedly taken some reps in practice. Will Jordan Williams Lambert make his debut though? I feel like I've been deceived. A I feel like of times we've teased it show. three times. <laughs> this is the third time's the charm, maybe. J J W L. That's I think that's one or two syllables fewer than Jordan Williams Lambert. It's a long name. Could bump Manny Arsenal out of the lineup. We'll see. After he I'm gets his touchdown. If he uh yeah, poor Manny. Manny show gets <laughs> on the board and uh hey, well, congrats, you're out of the lineup. That's, that's tough. Tough business. It's quite the reward. Yep. Logan Kilgore. I want to start with him as we jump into the first game of the week. The Eskimos and the Ticats. They meet again. Uh, Kilgore's been consistent in his two starts. 18.4 points followed by 20.6 points. Hey, that's pretty good uh, for a salary ranging from five to $6,000. Do you like the progress you've seen from him so far? And at a touch under $6,000, do you like him against the Ticats this week? I don't know if I love him against the Ticats just because of the matchup. I don't know if he would be number one on my list, but I do think that you're seeing some improvement from Kilgore. I do. And, and you know, it's, it's a tough situation that he finds himself in because when Kilgore first went in, it was expected to be maybe a week or two. Well, now Trevor Harris is on the sixth game, and it looks like Kilgore is going to be the guy at least for the foreseeable future. What I like is that we're seeing more touchdown passes from him. Uh, he's thrown at least one in his last two outings. I like the fact that they're not they're not really limiting him too much. Like we're talking about him getting around 30 attempts per game. So he's passing the ball. And the other thing that is really important to note from a fantasy perspective is that in all three games that he's appeared in throwing the ball this year, he is logged a rushing touchdown. So he's got one rushing touchdown in all three games. And then in his two starts, he's also combined for three passing touchdowns. He's an option. His price didn't go up that much. I don't love the matchup against Hamilton because that's a really good team on the other side. But uh, he's still, I, I think he's viable. Like he's, he's certainly on the radar. He's just not at the top of my list, mainly matchup dependent. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I like the progress. I like the price, but that Hamilton D is so stingy through the air. Only 12 touchdowns allowed in 14 games. Uh, so I think this is going to be a really big test for Kilgore. I'm sticking away from this one this week. I think it's a matchup, and I go back and forth on Kilgore this week. Uh, I think I'm a little more optimistic about his fantasy prospects than you guys, but I think this is a matchup that produces some points. I think the Ticats, you're not going to silence them. Um, their, their offense is just on fire right now. We talked about Dane Evans and what he's done. And Logan Kilgore, he's got the receivers there. Uh, it's going to be his third start, so he's getting a little more comfortable with the offense. And he handles the goal line work as well. So uh, the Eskimos, they're not having a ton of success on the ground with C.J. Gable. Uh, Kilgore made some really, really clutch throws in that game against the Ottawa Red Blacks to come up with the win. And uh, you're not asking with that salary for him to put up 30-plus points. If he can hit that 20-point range, you're pretty happy with that. Uh, I'm considering it this week, especially in a week where I'm having a really tough time uh, nailing down a quarterback right now. Outside of Kilgore, only three Eskimos had double digits, nobody over 14 points in any of the last two games. Outside of him, are we avoiding Eskimos receivers and running backs right now? I know we talked at length about Gable last week. Receiver-wise, the points have not been there either. Gable actually had a pretty good game last week. It was one of his better games of the year. It was actually the the other players that you're like, eh, maybe they, they didn't have as good a game. Gable was a big part of that win for the Esks, but Right now, I'm 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 kind of on the train of I'm a little wary of Eskimo playmakers right now. For instance, I've been pretty heavy on Ricky Collins the last number of weeks, and he really hasn't done a whole lot. I keep having Jeff Creever screaming in my ear that he was the <laughs> low key best pickup of the yeah. off season, and I don't even think you're wrong, Jeff. It's just that that, that we haven't seen as much offensively from the Eskimos of late, so. Yeah, I, I am a little wary of, of Eskimos players. The other problem is because they still have, despite it has uh, maybe hasn't had as good a return of late, they still have three really high-end receivers in Collins, Ellingson, and Devaris Daniels. So it's a little it's a little risky to begin with, and now things are sputtering a little bit. So I, Kilgore is the most interesting play for the Eskimos this week. I don't know how in love with some of the other guys I am. Edmonton, to me, is is one of these teams where – and we'll talk about it later with Montreal, but they're the same. The Eskimos just have too many mouths to feed and too many good receivers. That three-headed monster, you talked about it. Hey, Ricky Collins is fine, but there are a lot of guys there, and they don't have Trevor Harris right now to keep those mouths fed, to keep that, to keep that shovel with the food going into the mouths and, and keeping their receivers happy, you know, uh, rubbing their bellies and satisfied after a big meal. So um, it's tough. You, you like the guys that are just swallowing up those targets every game around the league. Brian Burnham, um, Braylon Addison are the two that immediately come to mind. Uh, Eric Rogers, when he was healthy, Reggie Bagleton. The Esks don't have those guys right now. I like Christian Jones uh, as a sleeper, and he's still pretty cheap. Uh, he's, he's been putting up double-digit points now the last couple of weeks, and I think he's ready to break one uh, on special teams. But outside of that, I'm shying away from the Eskimos' op uh, other options. By the way, I, I do have – I'll go a little off script here – I do have a bold prediction for next week's trade deadline. It's, uh, I believe it's October 9th. I think 
that the Eskimos are going to get a quarterback, especially if Trevor Harris's injury is worse than uh, than they initially believed with him being on the sixth game now? I think they're going to go out and try to get James Franklin from the Argos because he'd fit seamlessly uh, into that offense with Jason Moss. I don't have inside info. This is just this is just my hot take right now, and I think just the Bombers. Just your spidey senses right I don't now. Know. I just I think the Bombers need to go after someone too, and if they're going to go after anybody. I think it's McLeod Bethel-Thompson. They're saying they're not going after anyone right now. They're happy with Chris Trevler. I get it. That's fine. But those are two of the quarterback options that are out there right now. So I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that. We're a week out from the deadline. You're going to get me off script because, of course, the Bombers need another quarterback if they've got nobody <laughs> oh, backing him go. up. But, no, I'm not going there. I'm not taking the bait. You can just have your hot take, and we'll see if it's right next week. We'll revisit later. You have time to talk about Chris Trepler. Oh, boy. Okay, another triple header this Saturday, starting in Montreal, Calgary in Montreal, and the Stamps seem to struggle in Montreal. I don't know what it was, but last year, Bo, 20 for 34, 199 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. It was a not-so-pretty 12-6 to win is this a thing? Ooh. Is there actually a thing where Bo cannot win in Montreal or cannot perform in Montreal? What is the deal, Pat? Well, what what a, possibly could distract a team in Montreal? <laughs> but it's <laughs> what funny. What could it be? It's, it's funny you mention that because the Stampeders went in a day early last year. So and and Bo swears, the Stamps swear that's never been a thing to begin with. But just just in case it might have been, they went in a day early so that if you wanted to hit up Crescent Street, if you wanted to hang out at Winston Churchill's or at Ziggy's or whatever, you could do that on the first day, and then you still have plenty of time to get ready for the rest of like, uh, for the. <laughs> I feel like that's the wrong. That's an extra day in Montreal. I mean, that's. I don't know. I feel like that's the wrong strategy. Well, that they could be say, twi- twice they as say many that nights. it worked. They say that it worked. You go out, you get your first night in, and then it's <laughs> it's all about work for the rest of the time. And and so, look, I think that the the stamps going across the country that's the furthest you can go i think that plays a part in it uh i i also think that th- th- there might be uh, a little bit of we can't play in montreal in their heads i know it's been in bo's head because he even talked about it after the win he's like for whatever reason i can't play in montreal this is a year where the Alouettes are actually a good team. And I wonder if the fact that the Owls are a good team with a good defense and a really good quarterback who's returning after suspension, I wonder if this is a year where uh, if you're the Stamps, you almost have to make sure you go out of your way to raise your game. And when the Stamps are motivated, when that coaching staff is motivated, I had some time to chat with Brent Monson. Like they've been game planning for, for Vernon Adams for quite some time. Like I, when, when, this, when this group gets pushed or motivated, they usually raise their game, and they're coming off a bye, which they're historically very good coming off of. I actually think this might be one of Calgary's best games in Montreal we've seen in a long, long time. All Bo needs is one of Jeff's most motivational pep talks before the game get his head right <laughs> Bo does not need any motivation from me Bo is Bo is a self-motivator I, I know that much speaking of Bo I, I have questions about him because he's the reigning MOP and I don't know to me uh, he's had the injury this year even before the injury he got off to a little bit of a slow start 
lost the first game, the Stamps losing uh, against the Red Blacks in the opener, if you can remember back. But to me, Bo just still hasn't quite looked like himself coming back from that injury. You wonder uh, if that's still bothering him a little bit. Um, the numbers certainly don't speak to what we're used to from Bo. Uh, five interceptions, four touchdowns over his last three starts, uh, and two of his last three starts, he's been under eight yards per attempt. Um, are we still waiting for Bo to kind of get right? I think so, and I think he'd be the first to admit that He's really had some struggles in the first half of football games. Not exactly sure why, but it seems like, you know, teams have thrown some different things at the Stampeders, and I think it's caught him specifically off guard. You take a look at that Hamilton game that Calgary was able to win uh, by the skin of their teeth, and Hamilton was making Bo extremely frustrated for the first half. It took the first two quarters for him to get into any type of groove. So, look, this is the first time Calgary's played Montreal in a while, and I wonder if... I'm, I'm not I'm not looking at Bo as a big-time play this week because I think Montreal is going to be up for this game. Uh, and we already talked about how the Stamps have had their issues in Montreal. I'm, I'm laying off the... Uh, I, I think I had Bo a couple weeks ago and it didn't pay off all that much. So I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not big on the Bo Levi play this week. I, I think it's one of the least intriguing quarterback plays of the week. Well, Jeff makes a case for it here because the Alouettes have been giving up Quite a few points, quite a few catches. Jeff, break down your numbers because you wrote a lot down here. You obviously want to talk about it. Well, I, I wrote the log of the last six opponents the Montreal Alouettes defense uh, has faced. And now this group is without Siante Evans, uh, who, who I know missed the last game. I believe he's out for a little bit. Really good halfback uh, can, has been able to shut down uh, opposing receivers at times. And last week, Mike Riley completed 30 of 34 attempts in that game and that's that's a stat that not many people are talking about I, I know we had the late game uh, drama with the Antonio Pipkin fumble and and Vernon Adams Jr. not playing Matt Schiltz running around and looking pretty good but 30 of 34 that's that's a clinic that's dissecting a defense that's no small accomplishment um, and in the last six games, this is a large sample size. This isn't just a couple of games. In the mm -hmm. last six games, opposing quarterbacks have completed 79% of their passes against the Alouettes. Uh, 301 yards per game, 9.3 yards per attempt, uh, 10 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. But 79%, I mean, that's, that's an unbelievable number. And over the last two games, it gets even worse. You're talking about a run of 49 completions on 56 attempts. So... I do think there's something there with that Alouette secondary, um, and it's holding that defense back a little bit. And when, when I'm looking at fantasy opponents right now, um, to me, that's why Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, and especially, even if you're not big on Bo, especially a couple of those Stampeders receivers, um, whether it's Eric Rogers working the slot or, or Reggie Bagleton, we don't know his status yet. Um, some of the other guys, Josh Huff, could be interesting at 2,500. Those are names that I'm looking out for this week because – yeah, that, that Montreal defense, to me right now, is a little bit vulnerable. I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but that running back position in Calgary has switched hands many, many times. It's going to switch again as Kadeem Carey out for the rest of the season. Looks like it's back to Don Jackson. So 
Are we thinking about that as a play? I feel like it's been in his hands a couple times. I just need to interject here. Uh, Hannah is a uh, new Calgarian, so uh, I need you to uh, revise the way that you said the, the, your new city. Oh, oh. no. Here we go. This, this, is a, this is a, it's an education. It's a, it's a. Okay, it's, okay. It's, I'm learning too. I'm learning too. I, I got it? my, I got my glasses on. I got my glasses on and my notebook out. I'm eager. I want to learn this too. So it's not Calgary. It's not Calgary. It's Calgary. So think of it as a G R E E at the end. Oh, like two, like two syllables instead of two three. syllables. Calgary. Uh, you got, got to pass yeah, it the when emphasis, you weren't living here. But now you're here. You have to say it right. I've already given up that first after day. a season and a half of trying to get you to say Blue Bombers because you guys are blue still bombs. emphasizing blue. I don't think it's, I But yeah, we can all learn. I, I get, I get worried about it. It's the first A. It, that's easy. I can remember that. Calgary, right? Did I do that right? Yep. Nailed it's that it. first A. You gotta, you gotta hit that first A. You can't. No, uh, it's just it's, it's a simply a, a two syllable versus three syllable thing. Yeah, no, that's probably something I should learn now. Hey. Well, why, okay, we can I'm, take I'm our here own. To help. We could take our own approaches to that, but uh, I'm, I'm happy with my my method. I'll never say it wrong again. Calgary. I'm, Calgary. I'm one day away from being here for a whole month, so it's time to learn. Where were we? Action Jackson. Don Jackson, back in the lineup. Pat, what are your thoughts? My thoughts on Don Jackson, this guy is going to be fired up being back in the lineup. Look, he's a team guy, and he did not enjoy sitting on the sidelines and going from number one to number three on the depth chart. And that's what's going to happen when you've got three American running backs. They don't have Jerome Messam. They don't have John Cornish anymore. So they don't have that bracket buster, or in this, uh, in this case, ratio buster, when it comes to a running back. Well, Kadeem Carey's hurt. Jackson's next man up. He's been waiting for this opportunity. There have been some suggesting that he's played his last game in a Stampeders uniform. Well, that's not true. And I think Jackson's going to be fired up and going up against an Alouette's team that, you know, I, I think that you look at them more as a team that's susceptible through the air than on the ground. Sure, but I do think Jackson's in line for a pretty interesting game. He's definitely on my radar as a start this week because he hasn't played in a while. He's motivated. He's fired up. And they're going to use him he's unquestionably top of the depth chart now I, I want to see Don Jackson get back to that point where he was at the top of his game last year because he looked really good to me I, I had him honestly I, I can say this I had him as my leader my favorite to win the rushing title this year as a dark horse but I, I knew you know he wasn't one of those top dogs like Andrew Harris coming into the year but I honestly thought that Don Jackson would surprise a lot of people this year and be the top running back uh, yardage-wise in the CFL. So I do think there's something there. I'm with you, Pat, and I, I want to see that unleashed this week. And he, He's a guy, he's got the character. You, you mentioned it, you hit on it. He plays with an edge. He's got the attitude. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. And now, uh, now if he's a little bit uh, PO'd, if he's a little unhappy going into this game, hey, that, that's music to my ears because I'm happy to get him in my lineup and uh, unleash the beast this week. Don Jackson also in that interesting price range, sitting at around six thousand dollars. Not really at that high end, eight to ten thousand, but not at that low end, thirty-five to forty-five hundred, where you don't know what you're getting. Could be a good mid-range option. Last topic for this game, this first Saturday game. I got burned last week, as we know. Quan Bray, Chris Matthews, both couldn't even put up two points. Jake Weineke got a zero. 
Posey and Lewis, a little bit more reliable, but you got to pay for it. Is this too many mouths to feed, or was it maybe just a Matt Schiltz thing? Is it a switch up at quarterback? Was that a one-week thing, or are you avoiding? I think part of it has to do with Matt Schiltz. I mean, a large percentage of Schiltz's passing output uh, came on one play, one pass to Eugene Lewis to open the second half. And outside of that, uh, there wasn't a lot there from the Alouettes passing offense. So that's one reason. Uh, we've seen all of these receivers be productive before. They all had really good games uh, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think, I think, to, I think in that game, Quan Bray was actually one of the, the lower producing receivers, and he still hit double digits in that game. So uh, probably the reality lies somewhere in between the Alouettes' last two games. Um, but again, just like with Edmonton, I just don't know that one guy to choose. Point to me, point to me an Alouette's receiver that you can confidently say, yeah, this guy's going to have a really good game because I'm having a really hard time with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably can't do that at this point. The I, I look at it from a it's kind of a matchup dependent thing for me. But you know, for instance, this week going up against a a very difficult Calgary team. Chris Matthews seems like a guy that this would be the type of game that really suits him, you know, where you may not be able to take big-time shots down the field. You might have to play a little bit more of a possession game, and a a big body, a big target like that could help. I think that Vernon Adams uh, maybe realized the type of weapon he has in Matthews with that touchdown pass he threw to him a couple of weeks ago. So... Matthews is interesting to me just because of the matchup, but no, I don't think you can confidently, I certainly can't confidently go into any game saying, well, you know for sure that Eugene Lewis or Devere Posey or Quan Bray or whomever you want to talk about is going to have a big game, and that's that, that does go back to the too many mouths to feed type of theory, and there's a few of those in the CFL right now. Game two of our triple header is in Saskatchewan. The Bombers are back there. This is the third time they're meeting in a month, and the Bombers' defense got carved last week. They allowed 300-plus yards in the first half alone to Hamilton. Are you looking to exploit that, or is the familiarity between these two teams a little bit off-putting at this point? I'm a little I'm a little concerned about the Bombers right now because with – Chris Streveler is the guy. He's still extremely explosive, and we like him as a fantasy option because of the rushing yards and the potential for rushing touchdowns. But what scares me right now is because that offense is so unique and, dare I say, a little gimmicky right now, because of that, you don't see them sustaining a ton of long drives. And that worries me when it comes to the defensive side of things. So this game this game does not shape up as one that I love from a Bombers perspective. And, you know, that might uh, play into their favor because I think there's a lot of people who are writing them off going into this game. I'm one of them. I, I just I don't love this matchup. I think that Saskatchewan has really entered the conversation as being one of the elite teams in the league and Cody Fajardo has been a big reason why that is uh, I'm a little concerned about the Bombers right now so I don't know if this matchup scares me on both sides but I am a little worried about some of those playmakers on the Bombers side of things well I I like Chris Drevler on the Bombers side of things Uh, I still do and I know that Riders defense has been really good um Sacked James Franklin a bunch of times last week, made his life miserable. Uh, a lot of big plays uh, for the Ryder defense. It's starting to look like that that dominant Chris Jones defense uh, that we've seen in the past. So, um, yeah, kudos, credit to to Jason Shivers for making that work in his first year 
as a full-time defensive coordinator because he's done a great job. But to me, this Bombers offense is still – there's no one else there. I mean, Andrew Harris is always is always a good play, but everything goes through Chris Trevler, and he just touches the ball. And, and even in a bad game, you're talking about an 18-, 19-, 20-point week. So um, it, it's the other side of the ball that, that scares me a little bit. Um, this Bombers defense, I think, needs to bounce back in a big way. And Richie Hall's units, uh, it, it tends to it tends to rebound. They had a really bad week against the Thai Cats. They're going to be hungry. Um, Richie Hall is going to have some new things to scheme up. Cody Fajardo is still uh, a relatively new starter, even though he's had success. Uh, he struggled a little bit at times against the Bombers this year. And I, I could see this easily being the lowest scoring game of the week. Yeah, Fajardo's interesting is. Two of his worst weeks came in those back-to-backs against Winnipeg, but he's coming off a 37-point week, so you got to feel like he's kind of got a hot hand right now. A little bit tough to uh, predict at this point, as are all of the Saskatchewan receivers. We constantly go back and forth on whether or not to pick them because it's another too-many-mouths-to-feed situation. Kyron Moore had the big game last week, which... Bit me because I took uh, Evans based on Jeff's glowing review. Pat called the Kyron. He scored. He scored. Yeah, Shaq Evans found the end zone. He was still one of the better players on my roster. It just nothing was enough to save me. Anyways, Pat had the good Kyron Moore call. Um, Is it possible he saves some of his looks or his touches now that Jordan Williams Lambert is getting ready to? make his debut we think yeah that's the scary part is that you know we might be talking about williams lambert entering the conversation too and it's funny looks like it's going to be at the expense of manny arsenault who just had his first touchdown of the uh, of the season and his first touchdown going back in more than a year but uh, i digress it is a little worrying, um, and it's a guessing game. It's a gut feel, like wh- whatever you want to say. I mean, let's be honest. We, we do this podcast, and we talk as if we're um, super knowledgeable and all that. But, I mean, look, it's this game is as much about luck as anything else. And if you're going to be going in a situation like Saskatchewan or Edmonton or a couple of these other spots, and you're going to be using receivers from those teams – yeah, you might have a good scouting report, and you might, but there's also a good amount of luck that's uh, that comes into it because you just don't know which guy is going to be feeling it. You don't know which guy is going to be vibing with the quarterback that day. Uh, for instance, I'm really liking Shaq Evans this week, but it comes on nothing more than a gut feel, and uh, it's it's a guessing game at best a lot of the time. Yeah, and it, it's it's competitive. It really is an all-out competition. Uh, for spots and as far as your question Hannah yeah I I do think Kyra Moore uh, probably kept his spot in the lineup based on his performance last week and now uh, it seems like he might be moving over to that field wideout spot so that's another thing you can go off right you check the depth charts and and you see where the tendencies lies but they've got so much ability to move players around and do different things on their offense now and adding a big body like Jordan Williams Lambert to what is really becoming a diverse group of receivers and different players that are so well at, uh, so good at playing uh, to their different strengths so well uh, I, I think it's going to be really hard to single guys out there's no doubt about it um, I think in the end you got to go back to Jordan Williams Lambert and, and Shaq Evans for me if those two guys are in the lineup um, they're going to be 1A and 1B for, for Cody Fajardo they have to be 
two of the top three most expensive, most productive running backs up against each other head-to-head. And Jeff, this seems like a pretty easy decision for me if we're not talking about cost because you've got Andrew Harris, who missed both the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl, finally getting his crack at this rivalry game, versus William Powell, who had a down week and is still up against the best run D in the league. Which one do you prefer? Does the cost come into that? Because there's... Uh, there's about a $3,000 price difference between these two. <laughs> this answer sucks, but I'm staying away from both this week, to be honest. It's just the <laughs> here, defenses. Here. It's just the defenses. They're not, they're, there are better plays out there at running back when I'm going through um, who's available, whether it's William Stanback or Don Jackson uh, or Tyrell Sutton, who we didn't really talk about, but he showed flashes uh, and finally showed signs of Hamilton having a, a number one go-to running back, which we haven't seen uh, in a while. But I guess if you made me choose one, uh, I'd pay the extra money and get Andrew Harris just because he's going to get the volume as a receiver. And eh, Andrew Harris has proven that he can he can put up a big game against any defense in the CFL. He's really tough to shut down no matter who you've got. Um, so all, all things being said, Andrew Harris would be my guy over William Powell this week. Yeah, and I think that, that just comes down to more than anything else. We talk about it seemingly every week, but I just don't play running backs against the Bombers. As much as Dane Evans and the Hamilton, uh, and the Hamilton aerial attack thrashed them last week, it's not like, and I know that Terrell Sutton had a nice return to active duty, but it's not like they, it's not like this was a real um, impressive outing on the ground from Hamilton against Winnipeg. But I, I look at this as if, if you're going to start one of those two high profile guys, it's definitely going to be Harris, but it's a dominant run defense in Winnipeg, a really good all round defense in Saskatchewan. I'm not big on either play because both guys are costing you, you know, almost a, t- almost a quarter of your salary. If you're going to go down that road, I am currently trying to fit Andrew Harris in my lineup. I do have a lineup that fits him, but there are a lot of money picks in this thing just to make it happen. So I don't know if that's going to make the, uh, Final roster. I'm certainly not locking Andrew Harris in this week. The end of our triple header, Toronto in BC, and Brian Burnham the last four games, 33 catches, 436 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 23.7 points per game over that span. You got to pay for him, but even in the grand scheme of things, at $9,500, kind of seems like a steal. Is he one of the few elite options right now in fantasy? Well, that seems to be the theme of of this week's podcast is which of these receivers can you rely on? And uh, Brian Burnham is one of those guys that he's going to get target after target after target because, yeah, we've seen Lamar Durant at at times emerge as a consistent uh, target for Mike Riley, but... Every week, Brian Burnham is the number one guy. And even when he's not having his best week, uh, which last week wasn't his best week, he still caught seven of eight targets for 77 yards and a touchdown, which for a fantasy day, hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty solid, even at top dollar. So, um, yeah, the targets are there. And with Burnham, you know you're getting the production. So against an Argos defense that's struggling a little bit right now, uh, to me, he, he's he's got to be one of your receiver locks uh, almost every week, unless the guy uh, you're you're bumping out for him, uh, unless the guy you're bumping him out for is is a Braylon Addison or, or someone along those lines. 
Yeah, Burnham's in my lineup right now, and I've got that matchup. BC Toronto circled as one of the ones I'm really interested in. Toronto gives up the most passing yards per game in the CFL at over 325 per game. They are the worst run defense in the CFL, almost 122 yards on the ground against. Pretty much everyone on the Lions who is involved in scoring points interests me. Mike Riley's Decently priced at quarterback, especially knowing what he's capable of and the way that he's trending. Burnham, Deron Carter, Lamar Durant at receiver, all very interesting. And John White at running back is is a real, real fascinating play at under $7,300, especially coming off a really good week in his return. So all things considered, BC, a lot of plays that I like this week, and Burnham is definitely one of them. He probably leads the way for me. Back-to-back weeks where the Argos have put up just 16 points. Tough showing for their offense in general. Just 259 net yards, sacked six times, nine two-and-outs, four turnovers. Was this a Riders defense thing, or were the Argos just bad? I know another quarterback in there. Is it is it their offense's fault, or how much credit are we giving to Sask? I, I think it's probably both. Uh, you can give the Riders defense credit without – letting the Argos off the hook. It goes both ways. And yeah, this is this was a marquee performance from the Riders defense because early on, uh, that Sask offense wasn't exactly blowing the doors off. The Argos defense wasn't as big of a problem in this game uh, as it has been at other times this year. But the offense just couldn't move the chains, just couldn't sustain drives. And aside from a deep connection between Franklin and, and Darrell Walker on the opening drive, which was, was probably scripted, um, there's really not much there to like from the Argos, uh, especially compared to that team's offense in, in recent weeks when McLeod Bethel-Thompson was at the controls. So, yeah, we hear about another possible quarterback change in Toronto. Corey Chamberlain, uh, as you heard in the fantasy flash, not committing to anything quite yet. Um, and maybe not a shock at this point because, yeah, the Argos, they have some things to figure out offensively. And, uh, hey, I, I wouldn't be that surprised if they did end up going back to McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I'm not, I mean, I, I guess I understand a little bit why they went away from him to begin with. I think it was less to do with one bad outing uh, and more to do with what do we have in James Franklin. I mean, this is a season that is not going to culminate in a playoff spot for Toronto. So if you're Corey Chamberlain and you're that management group, you probably want to see what you have in James Franklin, knowing what you paid to acquire him a couple of years ago. But from a straight-up merit standpoint, Bethel Thompson had been really strong for a number of games in a row. He has one bad outing, and then yank, here comes the hook, and Franklin gets the next start. I thought that was a little bit harsh, but when you think about the actual context, it makes a little bit more sense. This is, I, first of all, I'm fascinated to see what they decide. If Franklin does get the start, um, you're hoping for a much better performance because look Jeff we've talked a lot about James Franklin and we're both big fans of the ability that exists but we still haven't seen it since he's been traded to Toronto except for maybe a couple of games at the end of last season after he got the ball back when things were out of reach he really hasn't impressed and if you're the Argos you're planning for the future if he gets another starter to this season you're going to need to see some things to impress if you're going to have him in the fold going forward yeah and that's that's the thing for me it's 
This was a golden opportunity for James Franklin to step in against a pretty good Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense to make the most of that opportunity. And we talked about the outcomes for James Franklin, whether it was earning a a long-term role for the Argos moving forward or boosting his trade value for another team uh, that could use a quarterback right now because I don't know if you guys have heard, but there have been a few injuries around the league uh, to starting quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, it, it was more of the third outcome where he didn't show much of anything last week and has really left us wondering uh, what his future in the league is. And, and maybe, uh, well, maybe, maybe that's a backup, right? Maybe, maybe his role, maybe he's being cast now uh, as a backup. And there's nothing wrong with that. I still think he'd be a great fit in Edmonton long term, uh, playing with Jason Moss, a system that he can step right into and already knows. Um, it's worked with Logan Kilgore for them. But maybe that's where we're headed for James Franklin. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm, like you, I still see potential there. Uh, but it'll be re- really interesting to see what the Argos do with their quarterback situation for the rest of this year. Because when things go out of reach and they're not making the playoffs this year, that's when it's time to evaluate. And one of the most important assets for any team when it comes to quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks and finding the next one it's time because you don't get a lot of it in the cfl you don't get a lot of time on a practice field you don't get a lot of time getting valuable game reps and how the argos decide to divide those quarterbacks those quarterback reps moving forward um that's going to be really interesting to see all right we've made it to our three minute warning three minute warning now or is it it is the warning. This is where we make our money picks and our lock of the week. We always start with our money pick. This is a guy who's $3,500 or less in case you are tight for cash with your last couple of uh, roster spots. So, Jeff, who is your money pick this week? Huff. I'm going with Huff. No, not John Huffnagel. Although back in his time, he would have been a pretty good money pick. Maybe, maybe a lock of the week. No, I'm talking about Josh Huff. He did all right for me uh, the last couple of times he's been in my lineup, but I'm still waiting for that breakout game. We know that Markeith Ambles is out for the season. I think Huff's got the ability, and he's starting to earn a little bit more trust from Bo Levi Mitchell. So I'm looking for those two to really get on the same page uh, as they meet uh, the Montreal Alouettes this weekend. I'm going to go with Chris Matthews. Uh, Montreal is at home to Calgary against the Stampeders team that as a very good defense, these games are historically pretty tight and possession-based. I think Matthews has got the opportunity to be one of Vernon Adams' favorite targets, especially as they get into the shadow of the end zone. He comes in at under $3,300. I'm going to go with Montreal receiver Chris Matthews. And I'm going to go with Kenny Lawler, just under the $3,500 cap. After weeks and weeks of getting two, three receptions, he had... 10 last week 10 receptions 144 yards all of a sudden when chris strevler has to throw that's where he was looking so should he get in that position again should he be forced to throw the ball i think he's looking at kenny lawler all right lock of the week this player will be in our lineup this week we are locking them in pat do you want to start who are you locking into your lineup well, it's between two, and I wanted Jeff to go first to see if uh, he was going to take one of mine. But you know what? I'll yeah. go first. I'll go first. Um, 
I'm going to go with Brian Burnham. We talked about him, and I know that that's a pricey play, $9,500. He's the highest-priced player in my lineup, but he's in my lineup, no questions asked. I think Riley and the Lions are in for another big game through the air, and if they're in for a big game through the air... It's going to be a stunner if Burnham isn't leading the way. He's a constant end zone threat. He is a target monster. And I just think he's in line for a huge game after a pretty solid game last week. So $9,500, a big buy at receiver. But I got Brian Burnham as my lock of the week. Josh Huff was my money pick. I talked about that Montreal secondary being a little bit vulnerable. I'm going with Eric Rodgers as my luck. I'm going all in on the Calgary Stampeders this weekend, looking for an air show from Bo Levi Mitchell. Eric Rodgers looks fresh. Now he's coming off a bye, a little bit of time to rest those veteran legs and that knee. And he looked great against the Argos, showing no ill effects uh, of his past injuries. And, hey, Bo is targeting him a lot. He has the trust of his quarterback and one of those receivers that's just going to vacuum up all the targets. So Eric Rodgers, my lock this week against the Montreal Alouettes. I've had trouble all day with my lock. I've had trouble at the quarterback position. So I'm going to put myself out of my misery and just lock one in. I'm going to go with Dane Evans because $7,500 is a pretty good price for a guy that I think can play well against any team. I think there's a possibility for some big point totals on both sides of the ball uh, in this matchup, and I think he's going to have to sling it. So I'm going to lock in Dane Evans at $7,500. Big game, Dane! This is the point of the podcast when I uh, try to wrap it up and Jeff has some <laughs> final thoughts. So, Jeff, before you interrupt me. Calgary. Calgary. No. Calgary. Calgary. Uh, Calgary. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. You're right. You both nailed it. Calgary. Yeah. Well done. We're good. I'm proud Blue of you. Bombers. <laughs> Blue, yes. bombers. Blue bombers. Blue bombers. No, Pat. Blue bombers. Blue bombers. Yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg. I hope, Winnipeg. I hope someone. I hope <laughs> someone just tunes in at that exact moment and then just they're, they're saying they're thinking at that point, why do I even bother anymore? Most people don't open a podcast and then <laughs> skip to the final four or five <laughs> seconds. Usually, usually, it's not. Not quite radio, but no, it's I like get the reading the last page of the book first. I get the point <laughs> you're trying to make. Uh, okay, well, that's a strange way to finish off the podcast. It's a little bit silly. Um, it's a little silly. <laughs> Jeff Creever is on Twitter at Jeff Creever. Uh, Hannah Nordman's on Twitter at HL Nordman. And that, and by the way, I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. That will do it for our podcast this week. Head on over to cfl.ca to get ready for week 17. This is crunch time. Get those projections. Check out your rankings. Get all those papers spread out. Time to get your roster in because this is the time now to, to make up those points and be the fantasy champion and get yourself that great cup ring. Also, check out The Waggle presented by Sport Clips, Davis Sanchez, Donovan Bennett at cfl.ca slash thewaggle. They're getting you ready for this week's matchups and everything that is CFL football. And make sure to subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us right on CFL.ca. 
We've got another triple header. Enjoy that on Saturday. The week starts on Friday when Hamilton hosts the Edmonton Eskimos. Big game, especially for visiting Edmonton. That'll do it for the Week 17 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by our friends at Leo Vegas. Enjoy the triple header. Enjoy some Friday night football. And hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. For Hannah, for Jeff, I'm Pat. It's been another edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. 